Hello, welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Matthew Peter, QIC's Chief Economist, and this episode is the second in a two-part series exploring the impact of COVID-19 on online retail and the rise of omnichannel retail. In our first episode, QIC's Managing Director of Real Estate, Michael O'Brien, shared his insights on market conditions in retail real estate and online retail and what that means for Australian shopping centre industry. In this, our second episode, I'm joined by Luke Young, QIC's General Manager of Leasing, and together we will explore the implications of the increasing move to omni-channel business models and what that means for shopping centre assets and their management. So, welcome to you, Luke. Welcome to QPod. Hi, Matt. Thank you. Really great to be here today and looking forward to the session. Okay, Luke, let's kick it off. Look, during uh, COVID-19 lockdowns last year, not surprisingly, we saw a really sharp spike in e-commerce sales and a plummet in brick and mortar sales. But since the lockdowns, and of course, uh, the economics team tracks the uh, macro data, and we've seen this in retail sales, such a remarkable recovery in uh, not only retail sales, but physical store retail sales. And we've seen that fall in the penetration of e-commerce sales. So can you give us some insight into why you think this is the case? Thanks, Matt. One of the biggest points, I guess, to make out is that it wasn't or hasn't been a structural change. So these sales weren't sticky, and by sticky I mean we we transitioned back to to closer to where we were before because as physical stores opened up, we saw a significant shift back to these physical stores. What COVID also highlighted was the importance of immediacy of purchase, so consumers wanting their goods ASAP. COVID highlighted delays in delivery, pretty much due to the tyranny of distance across our country in, in the time that it took to get those purchases from online to the consumer. Logistics just couldn't cope with this. And uh, while while we're on this point, um, a key retail partner of ours, JB Hi-Fi, who coincidentally have a very strong omni-channel offer and and traded really robustly through the impact of COVID, during the most significant duress of the COVID impact with stores closed and weight on logistics networks around the country, we saw JB Hi-Fi really pivot and literally hire every hire car they could in Victoria and employ their own staff to get product out to consumers. So consumers love this. This was really, really successful from a consumer satisfaction perspective, but incredibly costly and not something viable that they could really do going forward. But just a great example of, of how a fantastic retailer pivoted to really address that, that desire for immediacy of purchase with consumers. In addition, and on our side, talking about that that return to retail sales, a consumer loves interaction and experience. And these are two really great things that we bring across our assets. So as a landlord, if you're not evolving your assets uh, and the offers and usages that are contained with and around them, uh, you have potential for online sales penetration to be more susceptible to the footfall across your asset. Now I'll touch on this a little bit more, Matt, uh, from a QIC specific perspective uh, as we go through the session today. Okay, Luke, so it sounds to me that narrative we had that we'll all be virtual one day and that physical shopping will become extinct really is a myth that is burst. Am I correct in thinking that? I certainly think you are correct in thinking that. I think period that we've been through since since March, April last year, when COVID really took hold and we saw 
literally across our portfolio, thousands of physical stores closed and, and inaccessible by consumers. And consequently, as we've touched on that significant uplift in e-commerce sales, followed by as stores opened, there was an immediate return to the physical store. Along with it, the spending allocation in those physical stores really highlights the important part that a bricks and mortar store plays in a retailer's business. In discussions recently with a leading retail business expert and an owner of numerous brands across our country and some globally, their comment to me was simple. Stores support digital, digital does not support stores. So in its simplest form, online is a great search tool, not only to find the product that you want, but also where that product is physically located, again, tying into that immediacy of purchase but also it brings the ability to facilitate an effective click and collect model, which from a, from a shopping center perspective in our assets, it very obviously brings consumers into our assets, giving them the ability to experience the rest of the center and bend throughout the center, but also from a retailer's perspective, it gives the ability to execute additional add-on sales, if you will, when they're in store. And Numerous retail partners of ours provide consistent comment that this is actually in excess of 90% of the time when those people come in to pick up that product, that they're getting an add-on sale within their store uh, from that particular customer, which is a huge plus and a great benefit of an omni-channel business. Another really pertinent example is today, in fact, in the financial review, IKEA, which we all know is a very successful global retailer, they've announced an intent to pursue a strategy for a network of small format physical stores around our country. They did a covert trial some time ago, but the success of that trial has seen them lead to that. And again, I think it's just a great example of the strength of a physical store for a really strong retailer like IKEA that normally occupies thousands and thousands and thousands of square metres to take a small format store of only a few hundred square metres to get that consumer interaction on the ground in the store to really truly drive an omni-channel business. And then I look to the likes of Kogan, who is a pure play business across uh, our country. They specifically highlighted the, the high cost of delivery and the high cost of storage in Australia. And then I started on in the beginning relating to this question with regard to footfall and that return of footfall. I just thought it was pertinent as well that we saw our Victorian assets being allowed to reopen and, and uh, a reduction in some of the restrictions. Talking with our head of property management earlier today, we have seen just an absolute phenomenal return of consumers in store uh, today, which is which again just highlights after the fourth lockdown in Victoria, consumers are still busting out to get to those physical retail stores, even despite the enduring restrictions that there are still down there in Victoria at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. If COVID's taught us anything, Luke, it's that we don't want to be hold up in our house all day long. We want to get out. We want to go to restaurants. We want to go to theatres and we want to shop. I mean, it's as simple as that. Look, I imagine though, Luke, not all shopping centres are equally well positioned to take advantage of these themes and these trends in omni-channel. So I'd just be interested in your view of what are the essential characteristics of a really strong centre? Very important, Matt. And the way at QIC we look at it is you, you really need that strong presence in the community for the asset, be a major super regional 
significantly dominant asset in its catchment or one of our smaller assets that's more community-based, supermarket-based, it's equally important to have that strong presence within the community. Likewise, across whatever category of asset it is, you need an efficient and strong transport network. So from the perspective of road and rail, et cetera, to make the the ability for the draw on the asset even greater, but also that relative convenience in getting to the asset from your place of work or where you live. And then convenient parking once you're on site. With convenient parking, it's not only access into the car park, efficiently finding a car park that's available and then making your way into the asset, which sounds quite basic, but when it's an onerous experience, it's, it weighs heavily on, on a consumer's decision making. And then probably finally, it's really the overall amenity of offer in the centre. And what I mean by that is the mix of tenants, mix of brands, usages, et cetera, that are on offer within that particular asset. Yeah, well, I can vouch for your point about the, the convenience side of things. The thing I hate is having to do you know 50 laps of the car park trying to find a park it drives me mad they're clearly the the key characteristics but what i'd like to do now luke is bring the conversation down a little um, and get your sort of thoughts on what really this means on the ground what does this mean for existing assets for example uh, how will qic retail assets embrace this evolution of retail first of all it pulling it back to the advantage for our assets in their inherent strategic location across the country. So it, from a super regional shopping, really gives that ability to have the dominance in the catchment. And QIC's portfolio, certainly our core portfolio is really well placed from that perspective, from a, from a super regional dominant perspective. From an omni-channel business perspective, the demand for our assets really remains high. We continue to transact at a high level, even higher than pre-COVID levels uh, on transactions across the portfolio, which gives retailers, or part of the drive for retailers, but it gives them that ability to strengthen their physical store network and in turn drive customers and footfall uh, across, across our assets. And touching on that before, the, without repeating it again, that physical store network is oh so important for a retailer in an effective omni-channel play across their business. Then if I look to probably just calling out one of the strategies that we're working through at the moment, it's from the perspective of a third-party logistics strategy across the assets and, and really working on how we can further support our retail partners from an omni, uh, omni-channel sales perspective bringing logistics, be it micro logistics or on a larger scale into our assets really has that potential to to drive those omnichannel sales and thereby bring those inherent benefits as I touched on before for our particular assets. Despite that spike in online sales, we've really seen the majority of retailers, but some really, really key ones focus on significant investment into their stores. So investment as far as the presentation in particular, the fit out, has been a real focus because that customer experience and human to human interaction in store, again, is really strong for our assets and driving that footfall and the choice to come. But from a retailer's perspective, the true omni sales generation comes out of that asset, whether they've searched for the product online, come into the particular store and picking it up, or literally just search and they're coming in and shopping. They know that the the product is there, that experience and that connection that the, re- that the retailer has with their consumer 
is really, really important. And then in the in the previous question, I touched on the importance of the amenity of offer, the, the mix of usages across a particular asset that we've always continued to evolve that. We've continued to evolve it in the in the retail specialty mix in particular, and in more recent times, the mini majors, new to market and so forth that we've been able to incorporate into our centre. But from perspective of a major tenant, we've really looked closely at that. Traditionally, we probably haven't had so much access due to length of tenure and so forth, but our uh, very clear town centre strategy, which we formulated and put into action pre-COVID, really looks at trying to drive mixed use or alternate uses across our assets. And in some instances, they'll replace parts of major tenants, they'll sit outside the shopping centre, but it's usage that typically you wouldn't see in a shopping centre, but it was relevant pre-COVID, it was relevant during COVID, and it will continue to be relevant going forward. And we're a long way down that track. So to shed a bit of a light on that, that bringing in usages, the likes of co-working, healthcare, education, suburban office, commercial tenants, and the likes of a logistics offering that I touched on uh, previously. Well, of course, Luke, this vision for Omnichannel and uh, town centres that you have and the changes it involves for shopping centres, of course, must be embraced by the tenants themselves if you're going to uh, actually realise this vision. So I'm interested in what your retailers are saying and how eager are they to move towards an integrated Omnichannel model, for example? Yeah, firstly, I've got to say that the majority of our key retail partners, small, medium and large, they really have already embraced the omni-channel model. And um, we've seen that escalate and we've seen further investment in that model, be it a physical store investment on the on the fit out, et cetera, to uh, investing in the in the components of an online business as well to to drive traffic and so forth through there. So pleasingly we've seen a lot of investment and really key strategies early on but as we so we pride ourselves on really strong relationships with our tenant partners uh, nationally and those conversations always include things other than just the lease negotiation so we we always delve into business operations where their opportunities lie new concepts all those sorts of things as well and it was really interesting matt that during covid uh, and particularly at the height of COVID when it really hit late March, April uh, in 2020. And we all didn't necessarily know what it actually meant. We had stores closing, we had people um, locked down in their houses, not being able to come to assets. So QIC Jerry as a business, we spent an enormous amount of time in communication and working closely with our retail partners and trying to work through that, trying to anticipate kind of the, the first step of recovery and so forth, whenever that might be. And I thought it was worth noting some of the some of the things that we worked through were pivoting to uh, a dark store concept for a number of retailers across our portfolio, which meant that they could have staff in store, operate a click and collect uh, in a number of sites that uh, pretty quickly uh, became, became something of benefit for them uh, in working through that because it was not only even if a consumer couldn't actually physically come to a store, they could actually dispatch from that store during that time, which was incredibly beneficial. And we also continued to work through and recently uh, were endorsed to move forward with another online concept that will really help support uh, in its first instance, our pop-up retailers uh, across our assets, 
a, uh, a digital platform to assist them, again, not only in click and collect, but click and dispatch coming through for their businesses for greater connection with their with their consumers uh, through a purchase process so they don't have to just wait till they can walk through the mall. So it was re- a really interesting time to work through that. It brought us so much closer to our retailers. And those conversations continue now as we continue to evolve the potential of the third-party logistics strategy across the portfolio, as we work on the retail mix across our portfolio, either via the town centre strategy or just simply trying to make our specialty store offer usages as compelling as possible for our consumers around those assets. The conversations always involve something around omnichannel because the quote I talked on earlier, the strength of that physical store is oh so important for the overall performance of a um, of a retail partner's business. Yeah, well, Luke, COVID has been a major disruptor of um, the economy and none the least being uh, retail. But the other thing COVID seems to have done is accelerated the number of themes that have were already existing, uh, one of which is omnichannel. And in your discussion today, I'm sort of getting the feel that if you are on the, you know, on the front foot of omnichannel, uh, the COVID's actually led to almost like a renaissance of, of retail for those centres that are ahead of the, the thematic and embracing omnichannel. So thanks uh, for your time today, Luke. Uh, it's a fascinating discussion. Really appreciate your time. Great. Thanks again, Luke. And thanks, everyone, for listening to today's QPod. Have a great rest of the day and look out for future QICQ pods.